0: Today's episode is brought to you by High Heels in Politics with Marianne Christie. Join Marianne as she interviews political leaders of Southwest Ohio and beyond. Download the show wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, Pam, I have a question for you. What do you got, Ryan? So how much land does it take to make a garage?
0: (laughs) Well, Ryan, I don't know, but neither does council. They just spend with no plan and they do
1: it by emergency. This is The Voice of Loveland, the podcast for iamloveland.com. I am your host, the Loveland paddler, R.D. Kulik, and with me is a person, well, I think she knows how much land it takes to make a garage, she just doesn't think. I, maybe the answer is zero, because we shouldn't have a garage, <laughs> and that's the other host, Pam Gross. How are you today, Pam?
0: I'm good, Ryan. Welcome, everyone.
1: Okay, yeah, this is our ongoing series on the mythical garage that's going to... I don't know. I think Councilman Ori said it's only going to be like 12 feet high or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember exactly what he and his deep thoughts were discussing oh, on the gosh. garage at the time. They but, don't
0: have any mm-hmm. idea. There's no plan.
1: No. And that's kind of the point. We're doing the show because we talk about how much land does it take. Now, we, we went in depth about what was called the Ross Properties, the area over there by by the um, the works. Gosh, why can't I think of it? The works train car. And where there's a house up there, there's a hill, and they're going to build a cut-through road or something. But I think even on one of our earlier podcasts, we said, they're going to have to buy a lot more land. Yes. Well, they did.
0: Yes, (laughs) and they're not done, I'm sure, because they can't be done.
1: What they did is they bought—and here, get ready for this, Pam. I'm going to give Mayor Bailey and her majority a whole lot of credit. They understood in order to build this thing, that one piece of land that they bought was not going to be sufficient— But you know what? They never talked with the public about it. They never said anything. They bought that piece of land. They voted via emergency to buy it. And then they had a public hearing after they voted to authorize the city manager to buy it. So a public hearing, that meant absolutely nothing. And they said, well, this is it. This is all we need. This is what we're going to do. And then lo and behold, shows up on the council agenda this last Tuesday. Hey, we're buying another piece of land. And guess what? We're doing it via emergency.
0: Yep. And don't forget that when asked what made it an emergency was, well, we're doing it for the seller.
1: Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because between the first piece of land they bought for the garage and now this new piece of land, which is the the two, the connected like duplex or whatever right there on railroad, right there at the corner. Right. Between those, they bought another piece of land for the safety center. And guys, just so you know, we're going to go more in depth in this in the weeks ahead. The Safety Center is a project. They're doing a rehab of it. It's basically our police station and... And fire. And fire, fire, and fire yeah. yeah. They're doing this rehab on it, and it is, it is over budget.
0: Oh, it was... We have a bond on it for a million dollars. So it was budgeted at a million dollars, which is a hefty price yeah. tag if you think about it. Because it's not like we're building it from scratch. We're
1: doing no, we're improvements yeah. to
0: it. Currently, I think in the council packet, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that right now... To date, it is $167,000 over budget, and that does not include the purchase of the new land that they bought, and it doesn't include the, what is it, almost fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 in demolition costs. That's not included in that overrun either.
1: No, so I'm going to go back to that piece of land. Right. It doesn't have to do with the garage, but it does have to do with what we're talking about and how this current council How the Mayor Bailey majority is treating—
0: $41,000 is the demolition cost. Oh, okay. Sorry, I had to look it up. No,
1: that's fine. But that one piece of land, the city manager at the time—well, the city manager still, but when they were buying that piece of land for the safety center, he was talking about, oh, we've had it, like, leased to buy or whatever for, for years now, and now the person wants to sell it. And he said, as a favor to her, I want to make this fast, which is why he wanted it to be an emergency. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give the city manager, Mr. Kennedy, a little bit of cover here. Look at me, Pam. I'm giving all those people down at City Hall cover today. <laughs> uh,
0: You're in a very charitable yeah, yeah, mood. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, trust me. It's not going to last long here. <laughs> um, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go make deals. It is a job of the city council to rein him in. To say no, because here's what the fact is. If you're on the council, you need to look at the city manager and you need to say, I understand that. And I I know that would be a good thing to do for that one person. But we got to think of all the people in Loveland, all the taxpayers, and we need to give them a chance. There's a procedure in place that you do these two readings so the public can have a chance to digest it. So, you can go, and I know Mr. Butler, Councilman Butler, thinks it's sufficient enough that things are on the website for the public. It's not, not in today's day and age. And people may never come to the council meetings and say, hey, don't buy this land. You have to give them the chance. And for them to buy the first piece via emergency and give the public no opportunity to talk about it, and by the way, Pam, We didn't even know why they were buying the property. There's no way we would know. They said, we have to buy this fire emergency because we have to build a garage. You got two things there. The purchase of land, which, I mean, is what, $700,000 now?
0: Yes, they had to appropriate or... Put into the funds $700,000. So they buy the land
1: with the intention, not the plan. We'll get to that in a moment here. The intention to build a garage. So you basically gave the public no notice for a project that is going to cost in excess of $7 million. Yeah. So you do that to begin with. And then you claim oh, well, this is a favor to so or we're doing this, or we have to do this, or whatever you say. The fact is, every single time one of them talks or tries to defend themselves from buying this land via emergency, and I'm going to go back to Mr. Ori, he said a lot of people have been talking about us buying stuff via emergency. Now, once again, I'd, ask, I'd like to ask him who those people are. Is it you and I, Pam? But then he still says we have to do this, because the city manager, like for the piece of property for the safety center, said, oh, I want to do a favor to these people. Again, as a city council, you need to tell the city manager, that's honorable. But it's our job to look out for all Loveland taxpayers, and we are going to do this the proper way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you have two things that need to be addressed in what you were just talking about. First, you have to understand the city manager's role is completely different than a council member's role. As you explained, yeah, the city manager, I mean, his job is to get stuff done. I mean, his job is to go around and make deals and and do all of that. It's council's role, however, though, to be the good stewards for the taxpayers. They're supposed to be our advocates. They're supposed to be our voice. You can't have a voice if you're doing everything by emergency. Not to mention the fact that most of the time they don't even discuss anything. Oh, no. And quite frankly... I don't even know how much of a discussion there was in in regards to any of this, because in order to have a discussion, you have to have a plan. They don't have a plan, folks.
1: So let's talk about that. Yeah,
0: But I I want to address one more thing. In regards to what we just said about the role of the city manager is, you know, to go around, make deals, do those things, uh, fine. But city council and the government itself, our voice, the stewards of our money, we should never be in the favor business. And that's really, really important here. Deals should not be made at the expense of taxpayers. When you are buying property and saying that, well, we have to do it by emergency because we're doing this for the seller, uh, no, we should never be doing that. We should be discussing what we're going to do with the land and does it fit into our plans? Does it fit into our timetable? Does it fit into our financial means? It should not be done as a favor to anyone. That is extremely troubling on his face.
1: Well, let's talk about that as the direction that I believe the city council is moving. And Mayor Bailey and her majority especially. When we talk about they don't have a plan... I agree with you. Don't have a plan. I'm going to I'm going to speak in a moment to something that councilman Butler says. But it seems to me that you look at who all these people that support Mayor Bailey and support her majority. These are the people that get everything in these secret meetings or in these emergency votes. These are the people who are the businesses who the Chamber Alliance is trying to protect, the downtown bars and stuff who they want a garage. The private businesses want a garage and they don't want to pay for it. So the Chamber Alliance goes to Mayor Bailey and her majority and say, give this to us. And she does it. The school says, give us this. And she does it. The point is, the plan is to give their cronies whatever they want. This is what's been going on for a year and a half now. I mean, would you agree with that?
0: I do, and I think one piece that you did forget is that Art Jarvis is also an appointment by Kathy Bailey to our Community Improvement Corp., to our CIC, as is the Little Miami River Chamber Alliance. You know, that was a big brouhaha under the last council because it was restructured.
1: To get private interests out. To
0: have private interests, special interests out and have more involvement with people who are actually developers and real estate investors and people people who actually understand developments and and how to what what is the best thing to do with property and land.
1: So that leads me to what Councilman Butler said at the last meeting when you know he, I think Councilman Phelps, Councilman Ori were all trying to, and I, I would say rather poorly, trying to defend the fact that they're buying more land via emergency. Spending more taxpayer dollars without letting the taxpayer say anything about it. But Councilman Butler said something extra interesting, and that he said, This is a good thing for the city to do to buy this land so they can, so the city, as in they, they, the city, can direct the future development of downtown. I'm going to translate. Councilman Butler said, It's good for the city, the elected officials in the city, the bureaucrats at City Hall, for them. To steer development and not private enterprise. Governments should not be in the development business. Nope. And there is a billion examples of why not.
0: We have a $900,000 example right up in Warren County called the Chrisman
1: Farm. Now this is what I will say. And by
0: the way, it's not just nine hundred thousand uh, dollars.
1: It's grow every every every
0: year. There's hmm. a debt service on it. Fifty thousand dollars for the last ten years. So it's another added half a million dollars that taxpayers have paid because the city
1: was going to drive development. When Councilman Butler says that, now the public has not had any discussion the public has not heard any discussion about these land purchases these three especially the first and the latest one they have to deal with the garage because i assume this is what their non-stop executive sessions are you know they have seven or eight of them in a row so they've discussed this but not in the light of day not with the public and talking about how they're going to to guide development in this town But the fact does remain that you see the development being guided by what the Little Miami River Chamber Alliance wants and by what the school board wants. As a matter of fact, we know if the school board gets what it it wants, we are on the hook for all the infrastructure. So we have all these special interests that are controlling our development plan. And then you put on top of that the new downtown master plan or guidance document or whatever the heck it's supposed to be. And guys, we're talking about... A million dollars in land purchase so far, around a million dollars, including legal settlements and, you know, all these extra things that they're just throwing money at because they're doing this the wrong way. Guys, that's for land that's pretty useless. I I mean, I'm going to tell you, where they're talking about building this parking facility, there's not a lot of good revenue-generating things you can do on that piece of land. Not in my opinion. But let's talk about... And certainly not to
0: justify the cost.
1: Yes. But if Councilman Butler and the Mayor Bailey majority, and then want to guide development downtown, which means they're going to let the school board and the chamber alliance guide the development of downtown. They're going to let just a few people, most of whose leadership lives outside of the city of Loveland, guide the development of downtown. Does that mean the city's going to buy all the land and do whatever they say? Because, Pam, if that's the case, you go look at their guidance slash master plan. The Eagles building, right there on the river. The Animal Hospital, right there on the river. The Eades property—they're not going to come to you, cheap. Oh gosh, no!
0: We're talking millions and millions of dollars,
1: right? Councilman Butler feels like it's in the city's best interest to spend all of that money to give to people that we don't even know what's going on—that have a secret plan to guide our city's development. That—that well, that makes that's no if sense if they to me. have
0: a plan. <laughs> no. Well, what's interesting too? There's so much in that whole statement that you just made there's so much to unpack from it. First thing that came to my mind when I heard Butler talk about the fact that the city is going to be able to drive the development or be part to dictate that. The first thing that I immediately thought was, who is Mr. Butler? He's an attorney. Mm -hmm. Is he a developer? Is he a real estate guy? I mean, what's his experience and expertise to decide what the city's going to do?
1: That's a great question. But
0: that—that's why the government should not be in the development business. Government is bureaucracy. It's bureaucrats. Yeah, they know bureaucracy. They know government procedures. They know how to get grants. They know how to do that stuff. They are not private developers.
1: Usually, when cities or municipalities or any government entity is buying land. It's to do, in trying to do something with that land, it's to do things that are not revenue generating. Things like garages. Even though, I would argue, you still need to let private, is for private business, make private business, pay for it. Because when governments look at taxpayer dollars and decide to transfer it over to private businesses, I don't know, launder it over to private businesses or something, the taxpayer may not notice initially, but when they start noticing, they get mad. They get very, very mad. But if you're going to buy a useless piece of land and put a park on it, or buy a useless piece of land and put a public works building on it, or do something like that, I understand that's what happens. That is not what they're doing here. But I want to talk about what they think they're doing here. Because again, this is the start of them following their guidance slash master plan. Kind of come up with a better name for that because I hate both guidance and master, but we'll come up with one. So the city thinks they want a garage, and they think they need to keep buying land. And I think you've said this many times, Pam. What they've bought so far still is not enough.
0: It is not. I know I've said this many, many times. Go and walk that street over there. Go over to City Hall. Go over to the Works. Go over to the. I always can't remember what the name of that thing is. Railroad car. Why yeah, I don't know I why know, I can I know, never you know, remember that.
1: The problem today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but go over by the railroad car, and you will see what we mean is that they have to buy, Ryan, honestly, they have to buy that entire street. Mm -hmm. So folks, I'm sorry, if you live on Railroad Avenue, (laughs) Mm -hmm. all I can say is uh, you need to pay particular attention to all of this. But the other good news is for the people, and this is where private development is great. This is where private enterprise is terrific. If I lived over there, I would now be looking around thinking, huh, My little two hundred thousand dollar house. How bad do they want it? Yes,
1: that that that's the key. This and it drives up the cost. mm -hmm. That is exactly right,
0: and good for the people who own it. Yes. Bad for the taxpayers.
1: <laughs> yeah, and by the way, for those people that still own it, I'm sure you're going to love that beautiful, beautiful building of concrete and steel, yes. and cars coming and in cars and cars
0: and honking and lights and
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I'm sure that's going to be that's the quiet town you thought you moved yep. to, but
0: I hope it looks historical.
1: But here's the, here's the big question. <laughs> 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 well, we have a whole committee that's going to decide that for them, fam. <laughs> And all the experts that the historic experts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we have, what, five or six Shelby Foots that sit on that committee that I just know. (laughs) Anyways. But here it is. Here's the final kind of million dollar question that I'm going to put out about this garage. Why? Because this is the biggest thing you have to ask. Any business is going to ask this. Any competent business is going to say, okay, this is my customer. My customer spends this amount of money, comes to my place this amount of times, does this. It's a, In marketing, we call it your avatar. You create your avatar, what your typical customer looks like. So the city of Loveland, I think, has to ask the same question. Okay, we have this garage. Why? What's the justification for a garage? Now, there's this old, ancient... yeah technique or something i think they found it in the hieroglyphics of the egyptian pharaoh tombs or something it's called an economic impact study
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's something that's very foreign to yeah.
1: it's to the city of loveland unfortunately it's something that people everywhere always do all yes. the time because you know what you're using taxpayers money let's justify why we're doing it so i know somebody asked the city oh they're they're going to build this garage they must have all this great data that's going to tell us Why they're building this garage They're going to have all this data That tells where people are coming from They're going to tell us Revenue uh, Like what revenue plans are for They're going to have all this stuff So somebody asked the city For an economic impact study Do you want me to read it to you Pam? It's probably
0: the same as the traffic Study from the school
1: (laughs) It's even worse
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were drinking up at the top of a rooftop yeah. bar and they counted all the people coming in and out of the bars. That's the economic study. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, I, just, no, no, I just couldn't
1: no, I no, no, resist no. this. No, <laughs> it's even worse than that. Oh, at gosh. least the, at least the school board tried to, you know, pull a little magic trick on you. There is none, yeah. none. You're <laughs> right.
0: Ryan, if you recall, when I sat on council several years ago, one of the first things I remember doing was not only talking about a special improvement district, was also an economic impact study. Because how do we know what, what our city needs if we don't know who's coming into our city?
1: Exactly. And now you have a city manager who, let's assume this is what happened. And you know what assumptions do. But anyways, let's assume that this happens. The city manager says we need a garage. And you or I were sitting on the city council and be like, okay, why? Why? Prove it to me. Right. I've said this again and again. I go back to Dora. What I've done my entire career, my, most of my life, is if I think something one way or the other, right, wrong, good, bad, whatever, I spend my time trying to disprove my initial thought. That's considered a good way to come up with policy decisions, to make these types of decisions. So the city manager says, we need a garage down there in the downtown district. Why? That's what I'd ask. Prove it to me. Show me the numbers. Now, let's say the city manager didn't come up with a garage. Let's say the Little Miami River Chamber Alliance did. Let's say Mr. Jarvis did, saying this would be good for the schools and good for the the businesses and everything. like. Let's say they said it. And you come and said, you know, you guys should really build a garage. Okay, prove it to me. Let's say the restaurants down there, Paxton's, Ramsey's, the works, because those are the ones that are going to – even not them, even places like the plaid room or the barber shop or any of that stuff. They say, hey, guys, we, we need a, a garage. Okay. Why? Prove it to me. Show me the numbers. When this person asked for the economic impact study, they were given the traffic study from – what was it? T- 2015?
0: Yeah, I believe it was 2015,
1: and I believe in that traffic study, it talked about the usefulness of the Linda Cox parking lot. May have lot. been 2016. Okay, but anyway. but, it, but it talked about how the Linda Cox parking lot was going to be useful. But we know, you know, on Tuesdays for over half a year, it's taken up with a a private organization gets it for free. Our municipal, the one we paid for, again, the city council giving away to private interest. So-
0: that says that they drive a lot of business into the city. Really,
1: really show us yes prove it prove it let me see the numbers yeah mr kennedy every single person on the city council just pick up the phone and call any other city if you don't know how to do an economic (laughs) impact study because they know how well it's interesting that you You said this you can google it guys economic impact study
0: and by the way they're not difficult to do no interesting and this will be a cross promotion unintended we do a show called high heels and politics One of the people who was just interviewed was a Delhi Township trustee. Her name is Rose Sturtz. And she was talking about that they were doing all new development and they want to redevelop their corridor over there in Delhi. And one of the first things she said, if you go and listen to her podcast, which I urge everybody to go (laughs) to to highheelsandpolitics.com. They talk about the fact that, number one, not only were they doing a lot of community engagement because they need to find out what the residents wanted, since the residents are the ones who are going to be footing the bill. Mm -hmm. But the other thing she mentioned, too, was they were going to do an economic impact study because they needed to find out who's coming to Delhi and and what what are they doing there and what are they spending their money on and and all of those kind of things. That's what good, well-governed cities do. They do economic impact studies. They don't just go around buying land via emergency with no plan. You know, we keep saying there's no plan. There is no plan. And it was interesting because we went to that candidate night. And do you remember one of the questions has to do with development and and the parking garage? There was an actual question that was a parking garage question. Do you recall candidate and count current council member Kent Blair's answer to that? Well, yeah, we'll I'm just looking. figure it out later. Yeah.
1: My notes are the plan hasn't been determined yet. They have some ideas on the building. I thought we were supposed to have all these public engagement things I keep talking about. And he gave no answer. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. Was, we'll figure it out later. That's your current council member. That's someone who is spending your money. Yeah. I want to also talk about because we talked about not only buying this money,
1: buying before, this land,
0: buying the land mm. and using using this money and buying land via emergency. But the other thing and with no plan. But Ryan, there's also something else going on here with this council. This isn't just about land purchases. According to the financial report that was actually in the council packet, this council has already spent one point six million dollars. And yes, I said million. 1.6 million. Million dollars more money in 2019 than they did in 2018. So stay tuned, folks, because yeah. we're going to talk about that. Yeah,
1: we're going to go into a deeper dive with that, but because
0: that's a huge number. Yeah, I mean that's an eleven and a half percent increase. And yeah. I can assure everybody, as the teaser, our revenues did not grow eleven and a half percent.
1: Yeah, it's it's not it's not equal, and these are these are some of the indicators. This is very of, alarming. Yeah, these are the indicators you have to look yeah. at. But when it comes to this, this is what it boils down to. Three straight times they've bought land. They've done it by emergency each time. They give the public, the taxpayer, no opportunity whatsoever to even do research into it. Nope. No discussion. No dissension. And they feel, and yes, and they feel like that is a sufficient way to go. And I know a lot of people are really irritated with the schools. Because they feel like there's, I mean, there's just no discussion. The school board's five and it's all five zero. They don't talk about anything up there. And when our council does talk about something, it's to cover their own butts is basically what Has it is. Has not, it doesn't seem like they're thinking of the taxpayer. That's three straight land purchases. Two of those purchases. And
0: they have a better idea. We to, don't know what that idea is.
1: No. Two of those purchases have to do with this garage that is going to, according to the city itself, is going to cost in excess of $7 million to build. That does not include the maintenance. Right. They're doing all of this stuff. They're doing it in secret. And they have no plan. Because if they're relying on that parking study, that traffic study from a few years ago, the downtown district has radically changed. And as Tim Butler says, if they're doing this because of their guidance master plan, It's going to cost a whole lot more. So we really, I mean, as a taxpayer, we need to be vigilant and we need to know them communicating things on a website. That is not sufficient. It is 2019. It is time for the city council to think of the taxpayer and not just doing a favor for one or two people.
0: But Ryan, if you think about it, they don't have to. They have the votes. You're right. They're just like the school district. The school district is what five zero. This one is six one. They have the votes, so at the end of the day, they don't have to listen to the taxpayers.
1: Well, they should because the taxpayers yes, are the taxpayers are making their voices heard when it comes to the school board and their dissatisfaction. We do not. It, it seems to me I'm going to go out on the limb and say the taxpayers of Loveland don't want our city council to be acting like the school board. So stop acting like the school board.
0: Start engaging with your taxpayers.
1: And with that, and stop
0: spending our money. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And with that being said, the Voice of Loveland podcast for IonLoveland.com is a production of Ion Community. This episode was written, engineered, mixed by Pam Gross and Ryan Kulik, and the music is by my father-in-law, Sherrod Sate. Well, I'm tuckered out, Pam, and I need some lunch. So uh, anything anything left to tell the people?
0: No, everyone, thank you very much for listening, and be informed, be involved, be influential.